The presenting sponsor of the Something Patriots podcast is RWJ Barnabas Health. You've been putting off going to the hospital. We get it. Be assured that safety, yours and ours, comes first and is embedded in everything we do. We're taking the appropriate precautions and using best practices to continue to ensure the highest quality care, protection, support, and comfort for all. With that in mind, as the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic in New Jersey has passed, RWJ Barnabas Health has begun to initiate a resumption of services. Keeping with the governor's executive order and adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. That will include medically necessary and elective procedures. All patients, visitors, vendors, staff, and physicians entering our facilities will have their temperature checked with an infrared thermometer upon arrival. Individuals will also be asked screening questions about COVID-19 symptoms per CDC guidelines. Get more details about our reopening at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. Let's be healthy together. Welcome to the Something Patriots podcast, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, a podcast where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Game over! Series over! 27 up and 27 down for Teasley! The Patriots are your 2015 Atlantic League champions! Patriots win another Atlantic League title! Warning track ball! Done! Home run for Corey Aldridge! His third blast of the game! It's a walk-off grand it is gone! Ball game over! Series over! And Patriots are the 2008 Atlantic League champions! Somerset! On 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com, and where podcasts are available. A pleasant hello and welcome to episode number five of the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We so appreciate all of our listeners, whether it be live on The Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com, or on any of our participating podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe rate and review the pod on whichever platform you use. Uh, All of the help is very much appreciated. To those of you who have already done so, you are rock stars, and I owe you a solid high five the next time that we meet up at the ballpark. Uh, On this week's episode, pessimism begins to grow in Major League Baseball circles on the prospects of a 2020 season, and what a lack of a season would mean for Major League Baseball when both the NBA and the NHL have made strides towards resuming play. Plus, would a vacuum of Major League Baseball provide a historic opportunity for the Atlantic League? Also, I sit down with two-time Atlantic League All-Star shortstop Alfredo Rodriguez, who was earlier this week announced as the newest member of the Somerset Patriots All-Decade Team for seasons between 2010 and 2019. All right, let's do this. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! Okay, so, Major League Baseball. Uh, The big question right now is what is going on during these negotiations between the league, owners, and players association, and will these negotiations ultimately result in a season? 
Uh, we've been following the financial negotiations on this pod now for a couple of weeks, and unfortunately, it does not seem like much progress has been made. Uh, the Players Association submitted their new proposal on Sunday, which, amongst a number of other things, called for a 114-game season uh, with prorated salaries that could extend the regular season to the end of October and the postseason into November, plus two years with the proposed expanded playoff system that had previously been discussed and the ability for players to opt out if they do not feel comfortable playing. But all of these also included the idea to open up the possibility for deferred payment for players up to two years if there is no postseason due to potentially another COVID-19 outbreak. Um, Now, the idea of deferred payment could be of interest to the owners as a possible middle ground, uh, considering their stance on sticking to the previously agreed-upon prorated salary structure for a longer season. Um, But unfortunately, that does not seem to have provided much momentum towards a deal. In fact, the Players Association's proposal has almost done the exact opposite. Um, On Wednesday, Major League Baseball actually flat-out rejected the proposal. According to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, they, quote, plan no counter. Um, He then continued, quote, they are sitting on essentially implementing a 48-54 to game season for full prorated salaries or an 82-ish at less than prorated, end quote. Uh, Problem with the shorter season, though, even including the prorated salary structures, is that it would still provide a huge decrease in player salary compared to what they had previously proposed um, or even had agreed upon back in March. Then Ken Rosenthal of The Atlantic added uh, that the league has, quote, started talks with owners about playing a shorter season without fans, end quote. Um, So it seems like the length of the season is not only a concern regarding payment to players, but also concerns about playing a postseason in November with the possibility of another COVID-19 outbreak in the fall, and also because it's just going to be flat-out colder weather, and it's hard to play in cold weather, and it makes players a little more susceptible to injury. Uh, The postseason is the biggest moneymaker for Major League Baseball. So any loss of the postseason would be a major setback. So it's understandable that Major League Baseball has concerns about playing a postseason in November. And actually, on this topic, Arizona Diamondbacks owner Ken Kendrick uh, was quoted as saying, quote, we do not, we, quote, we don't want to take the risk of putting our players at jeopardy and our game in peril uh, to be playing games beyond the end of October. So our model is and will never be changed that we will not be playing baseball in the month of November or later, end quote. A pretty strong language from a Major League Baseball owner uh, and strong feelings about extending a postseason past the end of October. But on top of all of this, uh, Joel Sherman also tweeted on Wednesday, quote, I have heard greater pessimism today from folks on both sides about Major League Baseball launching a season than at any point. People who previously thought the sides would find a way are now expressing at least greater doubt, parentheses, often more than that, end quote. Uh, So there seems to be 
some pessimism and not a lot of middle ground to this point between Major League Baseball and their Players Association. And yeah, it's a it's a pretty bad look for the MLB. Now, this week was viewed and has been viewed as an integral week for an agreement to be put in place if Major League Baseball were to start a regular season in early July. Um, and at the time of this podcast recording, which is Wednesday night, June 3rd, uh, there doesn't seem to be a great chance of that right now. That could change. We're all hoping that it could change. Um, so who knows? But certainly not a great look for Major League Baseball at this present moment. Now, if Major League Baseball can't get their act together, that opens up far greater exposure for both the NHL and the NBA, who have both released their plans on resuming play over the last week or so. Uh, Both plans revolve around hub cities of sorts, uh, Orlando for the NBA and two yet-to-be-announced cities for the NHL. And that basically two-thirds of each league's teams playing in a brief type of regular season uh, of sorts uh, before beginning a postseason. It's more complicated than that. There's a lot more steps uh, than just that, but that's sort of the gist of it. Um, So it's a concern for Major League Baseball. Normally, they have the summer all to themselves. In this case, there's a chance that not only could they not be playing, but they could concede the summer to a couple of other leagues, uh, which certainly would not be a good look. And MLB has had labor issues in the past, and they lost a good amount of popularity in the mid-90s with that 94 strike uh, before later in the 90s, um, the resurgence of the home run ball, that historic 98 home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, uh, including some memorable seasons from uh, Barry Bonds, and of course some memorable seasons, those three championship teams from the New York Yankees. All of that sort of helped salvage the sport, but um, it would be tricky times for Major League Baseball if they couldn't find a way to get a season in this time around. But imagine this for a second. Uh, If Major League Baseball does not have a season, there will be a need from fans of American baseball for American baseball. I mean, there has already been such huge interest in the Korean leagues during this COVID-19 pandemic Um, You know, with that, could you imagine if the Atlantic League were able to find a way to play when both Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball affiliates of Major League organizations could not? I mean, that could open up our league for unprecedented exposure around the country for baseball-starved fans. People from around the country could be picking their favorite Atlantic League teams, and I'm sure once they do a good amount of research, they probably land upon the Somerset Patriots as a team they would like to support. Um, But it would be a lot of fun, and it would be quite a wild time. And it is that hypothetical, amongst a number of other factors, of course, but it's that hypothetical is one of the driving forces as the Atlantic League's owners and directors work tirelessly to find a way to have a 2020 season. The presenting sponsor of the Something Patriots podcast is RWJ Barnabas Health. You've been putting off going to the hospital. We get it. Be assured that safety, yours and ours, comes first and is embedded in everything we do. We're taking the appropriate precautions and using best practices to continue to ensure the highest quality care, protection, support and comfort for all. With that in mind, as the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic in New Jersey has passed, RWJ Barnabas Health has begun to initiate a resumption of services. 
keeping with the governor's executive order and adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. Get more details about our reopening at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. Let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with 8 locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by T-Mobile. It's true, the happiest customers in wireless are with T-Mobile. Visit a T-Mobile store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE to join today. And we're back on the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether it be on a participating podcast platform or on the voice of Central Jersey 1450 WCTC. It's now time to talk a little bit about today's guest. Uh, And that guest is the recently named shortstop to the all-decade team for seasons between 2010 and 2019. It's the Virginia native Alfredo Rodriguez. And just to provide a little context, and just to provide a little context towards the contributions that Alfredo made in his time in Somerset, uh, he spent three seasons with the Patriots from 2017 through 2019. Before Alfredo joined the Patriots, let's go back to that 2016 season, because that's pretty much where we left off in our last conversation last week with Adam Donahue. Though Donnie did play as a player coach in 2017, the first year that Alfredo played with the Patriots, but that 2016 season, the Patriots made the postseason, well, they won the second half Liberty Division Championship. It was the Long Island Ducks who actually won the first half, and some fans might remember that year, the Patriots hosted games one and two of the Liberty Division Championship Series at home, and both of those games were memorable. Game one had the extra inning walk-off home run from Scott Kelly. Game two had the 14 strikeout dominant performance from left-handed starting pitcher Nick Turley. Uh, The Patriots went up two games to nothing in that best-of-five series, going back to Long Island, needing to just win one game. And unfortunately, uh, Somerset lost all three games on Long Island uh, and were eliminated from the playoffs. They were the defending Atlantic League champions at the time, having defeated the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs in the 2015 Atlantic League Championship Series. So unfinished business for the Patriots going into the 2017 season, and that is when they brought in a new shortstop in Alfredo Rodriguez. Now, Alfredo was originally drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers in the 17th round uh, back in 2012, spent three seasons in the Brewers organization. He then played two seasons with the Joliet Slammers 2015 and 2016. And one of the real standout stats from Alfredo's two years in Joliet He did not miss a single start. Each season with the Slammers, 
Alfredo was tied for the league lead in games played with 96. He did not miss a single game. He was an all-star for the Slammers in the 2016 season and then eventually made his way over to Somerset. He had known about Somerset for actually a couple of years, and Alfredo will get into that story in the uh, in the interview to follow, uh, but he joins the Patriots in 2017, and then his three seasons with Somerset were just remarkable. They did get off to a slow start in the 2017 season. He was split in time with Scott Kelly at shortstop, and both of them would become very good friends. Kelly had a very strong month of May in that 2017 season after Alfredo began the year as the starting shortstop in April. And then Scott Kelly cooled off a bit in the early stages of June. That is when Alfredo uh, took the reins back over as the starting shortstop for the team. And at that point, Alfredo really ran away with the job. Uh, He had the longest hitting streak on the team that season, going from June 28th to July 20th. Uh, the second longest on base streak, a 20-game on base streak during that same time as well. So a strong overall season for Alfredo. Uh, he led the team in doubles that year. He was second on the team in games played, at bats and hits, third on the team in runs and walks. Overall, he hit 257 uh, with 32 runs batted in, 14 stolen bases. Um, and then in the postseason, Alfredo Rodriguez uh, was very strong, and that would become a trend for him in his two postseason appearances for the Patriots. Uh, in the 2017 playoffs, over that four-game uh, series against the Long Island Ducks in the Liberty Division Championship Series, uh, Alfredo went 7-for-17 from the plate. That's a 412 batting average with three runs scored. Uh, it was a difficult postseason for Somerset that year. We'll get into a little, a little bit more with Alfredo. But Alfredo comes back in 2018, and that year was a remarkable season uh, for the Patriots shortstop. He was voted the team MVP at the end of that season, and I don't want to run through all of these numbers, but but just a couple. Um, he hit 303 overall that year, five home runs, 55 RBIs, 17 stolen bases, and a 395 on base percentage. Uh, he led the team in games, at bats, hits, runs, and RBI. Um, ranked towards the top of the team in a number of other categories. Uh, in regards to all of the shortstops in the Atlantic League that year, he led them in batting on base percentage, games, runs, doubles, and walks. Um, he ranked second in at-bats, hits, RBI, and stolen bases. Defensively, he led all Atlantic League shortstops in innings played, in putouts, assists, and double plays. So truly a remarkable season for Alfredo Rodriguez, Um, an easy vote for the team MVP that was voted on by the fans. Uh, It was another strong year for the Patriots as well. They had five representatives that season in the All-Star game that was played on Long Island, including Alfredo Rodriguez, where he was named that game's MVP as well. He went three for three, including a walk. So you reached base all four times that day. Uh, He had two runs batted in, including a game-tying RBI single in the fifth, a game-winning walk-off RBI single in the ninth. Uh, Julio Borbon had a home run for the Patriots that day. Mike Francoso went two for four with a run batted in. So a really strong showing for the Patriots in that 2018 All-Star game. And then in the playoffs that year, a very difficult conclusion to the season for Somerset. They had won the first half Liberty Division Championship So the Ducks hosted games one and two. They won both of those games on Long Island. Patriots trailing two games to none, coming back to Somerset. And then game three in front of what is still an Atlantic League postseason record crowd of 8,143 fans. 
the Patriots were trailing in that ballgame 2-0 after the fourth, but had a four-run rally in the sixth. And then many Patriots fans will remember the Andy Chavez bases-clearing three-run double in the bottom of the seventh inning of that ballgame that gave the Patriots an 8-4 lead at the time. They won the game 8-4. The next night, Rick Teasley was on the mound for the Patriots. He threw five innings, allowed one run on six hits with six strikeouts. Somerset got home runs from Craig Massey and Andy Chavez in the third inning, a two-run home run from Mike Francoso in the sixth. They won that ballgame. So the series was tied two games apiece. And then ultimately it came down to game five in Somerset. It was a game that the Patriots were leading two to one heading into the fifth inning. Uh, the game was tied two two going into the bottom of the ninth. That was the uh, Ramon Flores leadoff double inning. Three consecutive two out base hits from the Long Island Ducks in the top of the tenth gave the Ducks the lead. Uh, four uh, was the three to two at that time. And that's how Long Island ultimately won the ball game and eliminated Somerset from the postseason. Um, that was a truly special team, a really great clubhouse, and um, I mentioned it in the interview. Alfredo talks about it as well. But it was a very, it was a very difficult loss to get over, and a lot of Patriots uh, staff members, and I'm sure you guys listening, the fans, um, not still not quite over how that season ended and how that loss came to be. Um, and then Alfredo's final season with the Patriots, 2019. Hit 267. He led the team in games played with 131 out of 140 games scheduled. But um, as fans will note, the Patriots did not make the postseason uh, this past year. It's the first time since 2012 that they failed to qualify. But in speaking with Alfredo, um, we get a little bit of an insight into his thoughts on all of that that happened between the 2017 2018 uh, playoffs. And we talk a little bit about where he's at in his career. And the decision to, as of right now, uh, not come back to Somerset. But even if Alfredo has played his last game for the Somerset Patriots, um, he has left his mark uh, overall over his three seasons in Somerset, a 276 batting average. If he has played his last game, uh, he currently ranks ninth all-time in Patriots history in walks. He ranks 11th all-time in team history in hits, 12th in doubles, and 13th in both at-bats and games played. So Alfredo has certainly left his mark on the Somerset Patriots. And when we come back, we'll have our interview with the most recently named member to the all-decade team, Alfredo Rodriguez. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with 8 locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now... And always, learn more at horizonblue.com slash always. The presenting sponsor of the Something Patriots podcast is RWJ Barnabas Health. 
You've been putting off going to the hospital. We get it. Be assured that safety, yours and ours, comes first and is embedded in everything we do. We're taking the appropriate precautions and using best practices to continue to ensure the highest quality care, protection, support, and comfort for all. With that in mind, as the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic in New Jersey has passed, RWJ Barnabas Health has begun to initiate a resumption of services. Keeping with the governor's executive order and adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. Get more details about our reopening at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. Let's be healthy together. And we are back on the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and now I have another pleasure of being joined alongside somebody who we can now safely say is another Somerset Patriots legend. Um, I'm sure he's probably smiling when I say that, and he'll probably speak humbly once I give him an opportunity to talk. But it is three-year Patriots shortstop, two-time Atlantic League All-Star, Alfredo Rodriguez. How you doing, Fredo? Um, I'm doing well, Mark. Thank you. Uh, I, I was smiling when you said that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, just real honor to, uh, you know, talk with you today. And, um, you know, it was, it's an honor to, you know, get that honor and, um, definitely something I'll, I'll never forget. So. Oh, so, uh, you know, just to start things off, of course, the most important question, um, these days with everything going on, how are you doing? How, how's your family doing? How's everybody holding up? Um, everyone's holding up well. Um, you know, relatively everyone, uh, you know, uh, safe and sound with the family. Got a couple sisters, uh, older sisters and, uh, everyone's taking, you know, staying safe and, um, trying to find a silver lining in this and, um, you know, just doing some self discovery. Everyone's kind of staying in a routine, good habits. Um, but for the most part, uh, Everyone's been 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 safe uh, physically and mentally because you know this is a mental grind too. So um, yeah, been 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 very uh, you know fortunate to to be in a safe situation. So hope you and your family the same you know are, are safe and 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 everyone else out there uh, you know everyone everyone's staying safe. Good, good. I, that's that's good to hear. Um, I, I want to start just like I started some of these other conversations with a little bit of context for our fans on on sort of your path to Somerset, how you got here. Um, mm-hmm. So you were originally uh, drafted twice. Uh, most recently, you were a 17th-round draft pick in 2012 by the Brewers um, out of the University of Maryland, go Terps. Um, mm-hmm. Three seasons in the Brewers organization, including uh, 82 games with High A, Brevard County in 2014. And, and then after that, you wound up joining the uh, Joliet Slammers in the Frontier mm-hmm. League. 2015. Um, so I, I've normally asked people what their path was in terms of going from a major league organization into an independent baseball organization, and normally that is with Somerset. But I'm curious for you how the how at first the Slammers opportunity presented itself for you. Uh, yeah. So I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it was a long path to get there. Um, you know, I was fortunate to go to a good college, uh, have some success there in Maryland. Um, you know, and was kind of put on the map there. I think, I think I was like a Brooks Wallace Award uh, watch list when I was in college. So I had some, you know, interest in, uh, you know, major league teams. And so I was fortunate enough to get uh, signed by the Brewers um, or drafted by them twice. Um, and so playing there, um, you know, was obviously a, 
a big honor. And, um, you know, I wish I was given more of a chance to play shortstop. Uh, they didn't really give me a, an opportunity to, uh, to play shortstop. I, I was kind of, uh, slid over to second. I even played first base, DH. Um, so, but just to, you know, keep briefly over that, that was, uh, you know, I knew I was a good player. I knew I just needed an opportunity. So here we, I think, uh, fast forwarding to 2015, um, when I got released by the Brewers, uh, I actually, I was not sure what to do. And, you know, I knew independent ball was, uh, was an option. Um, I actually was friends with, with John Hunton on, on Facebook. And, uh, so I got in touch with him, but as soon as I got released, uh, there was a Brewers coach that was the coach in Joliet, um, and a former Brewers coach who, who played me every day at shortstop. So I was like, all right, this guy likes me. This guy, you know, it's a you know good opportunity to, to land on your feet. And so that's, that, that drove me to Joliet. Um, and before you know it, I think the day that I got to Joliet, uh, got a Facebook message from John and he asked, you know, if I had signed with any teams, I ended up signing with Joliet. Um, and you know, not to make light of that, Joliet was a great time for me as a, um, you know, I played a, played a bunch of games there in a very competitive league. Um, and for me, I kind of got my confidence back and playing every day. Um, and, and that was something that, um, with the Brewers, I, you know, was, was, you know, you had to get a couple hits in order to play the next day. So, uh, you know, uh, so I got that opportunity with Joliet and, um, had, had success there. I think, uh, was an all-star one of those years. And, um, and then that led me to uh, one off season that, that next off season to, um, get in touch with John and, and then here, you know, he got me in touch with, with Somerset. So at this point, you're with the Joliet Slammers, and you already mentioned previously that uh, John Hunted had sort of been in contact with you. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious, your two seasons in Joliet, uh, you were an everyday player in every sense of that, um, including a 2016 All-Star campaign. Uh, but during your time there, was Somerset still in the back of your mind? And, and what were really the, the viewpoints from the players in the Frontier League towards the Atlantic League and what an opportunity in the Atlantic League would be like. Oh yeah. Um well to be honest, when I was with the Brewers I didn't really didn't really know what how the independent uh baseball world worked. Uh I just was like I I don't want to go there. Uh that's to be honest, like that's what every I think affiliated baseball player thinks. Um so when I heard of Joliet and Somerset, I I thought they were all the same. I honestly didn't even know the Atlantic League was a kind of higher tier uh, league than, than the Frontier League. So um, as soon as I got into the Frontier League and, and kind of got familiar with that league and then saw the rosters of the Atlantic League and versus ours, you, you saw there was a difference just in terms of experience level. You know, pretty much every guy in the Atlantic League played in double AA, A, triple A, major leagues. And in, in the Frontier League, it was, it was more of a younger league. Uh, guys who got overlooked uh out of college or maybe played uh you know half a season in affiliated baseball and then you know they got the boot so um i everyone knew that that the atlantic league was a, was a higher league and um so everyone was was trying to get move up the ladder uh so it's the same thing as like a minor league organization kind of move to that next level so um yeah we i would always talk with teammates and everyone was you know you're 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 your own agent uh in a way uh in in reaching out to people and keeping contacts and um so Somerset was on my mind uh I think I was in a two-year contract with uh Joliet Slammers and 
I remember talking to John and not to get too specific, but it was just like, hey, just honor the, the, the contract. And, uh, and when that's up or when they give you, you know, your ability to leave, then, um, we would, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk then. So two years were up and then I talked to John and luckily there was, uh, there was an opening and yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. are, are two year contracts sort of the norm over in the Frontier League when you first go there? I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think it's honestly a year to year thing, but, Fine print, it did say two years. Now, maybe that's been changed. Um, I think just, you know, I, I, I respect it and like the cuts that I had in, in Joliet, and I didn't want to create that blood and say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to go to this other league. I I was uh, looking for a place where I could play because if you don't play, you're not going to get seen by the teams to possibly get signed. So um, it, it, it it's a fine line of, of knowing, all right, do I break this contract and go somewhere else that I'm not sure whether I'm, uh, you know, going to be able to play. And um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it, the, I'm sure this probably changed by now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. Yeah. It, it's interesting because I know that um, pretty much everyone who comes over to play in the Atlantic league is basically on a year to year contract. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of how Somerset has operated for a long time now, but all right. So, so you're at this point um, in your story, uh, you've contacted mm-hmm. with John um, and, uh, there's a spot for you in Somerset. You come in here. Uh, it's your first season in 2017. And in looking over the numbers again, um, it was a little bit of a slow start for you in 2017. And, and I'm curious about one thing in particular. You were splitting time at shortstop when you first came here with uh, Scott Kelly. And I'm sure Scott Kelly is going to be woven into some other stories that you have in your time in Somerset. But yeah. I guess coming over to this league and and competing with a guy like Scott um, off the bat, what was that like for you? What was that experience like? Oh, I mean, it was you know, it was it was great. You know, we was a uh, you know a friend right away uh, when I got got to Somerset, and it was never uh, it was it was all you know. I think um, probably what gets misconstrued and in, in professional sports is that you know you, you're you know backup QB and starting QB or enemy each other. Um, same thing with me and Scott, but um, we were, you know, we, I was, he was a, um, you know, familiar with the organization, familiar with Brad, John, and and I was just trying to pick his brain on on how things worked, and um, so we all, you know, we we were just trying to be our best self as, as a player, um, and so yeah, I mean, we were competing, and and at the time, you know, uh, you know, balls weren't falling for me, and uh, they, uh, you know, they were falling for him, and. Um, you know, you, that, you know, that, that's where, you know, the, um, it, everything works out the way it does. Um, and so it was definitely, uh, you know, we were all trying to get better every day, regardless of who was in the world that day, who was not. Um, and, and I, uh, you know, I, I'm in touch with them, you know, daily to this point now. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't have, uh, competing is a better guy, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it brought out the best in both of us, I think. So uh, you're competing with Scott, and then I guess it was about the beginning or middle of June where your your season really starts to turn around. Um, at one point, you go on the longest hit streak for the team in 2017 from June 28th through July 20th. Uh, you have the second longest on base streak as well from mid-June to mid-July. Uh, for you in that first season in Somerset, was, was it a matter of getting – 
more acclimated to the level of competition or is it was it new setting? I mean, what sort of contributed to your to such a quick turnaround for you that first year? Um, you know, it's, it is a tale of two of, of, of two seasons. Uh, you know, I think the, the first three weeks I was you know doing pretty well, and then all of a sudden the balls weren't falling, and you know started messing with my mechanics, lost lost some confidence, um, and and then you know that then that that's a slippery slope. So um, as soon as I um, you know mechanically mentally made that adjustment that hey you belong here, um, just chip away. Um, that's when the season, uh, turned around and, um, yeah, I mean, it was a tale of two halves, um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, as a hitter, I'll always say the ball fell, uh, because, you know, it, it might show as, you know, scuffle in and you hit three line outs and you're 0 for three and then you hit three, uh, you know, jam shots that fall in and you're three for three. So, uh, you know, but I do think, uh, that the, the mental shift was stopping, you know, um, not feeling sorry for yourself and just going out there and, and, and having fun and, and competing and not really getting caught up in the result and just putting the work in and, and, and um, just letting it all play out. So it, it did, uh, fortunately, for me. Uh, now, I want to fast forward to the postseason that year, and th- this will be you know something that we discuss in a little bit for 2018 as well. But um, first for 2017, uh, Patriots are in the postseason playing against the Long Island Ducks. Um, you guys were first half Liberty Division champions, um, got to celebrate at home in, in 2017, if my memory serves me right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think you guys lost the game, and, or maybe you won the game, and that was the night that Kyle Roller hit for the cycle and had like think it, yeah. four yeah, home runs for some <laughs> ridiculous game like that. <laughs> yeah, um, it might have been the next day or something yeah, like yeah. that. No, no, <laughs> yeah. It was. I, I, rem- I remember the night, and then I don't remember yeah. most of the night after that. But <laughs> it yeah. was a good time. Um, it was. So, so in the postseason that year, uh, you guys go up one game to nothing over Long Island. Mark Hamburger was on the mound in uh, in mm-hmm. that first game in, yeah. on Long Island. He got the win, and and then the Ducks um, won the next two games, including uh, game three. I, I, I want to take you back to that moment um, just for a second. So game three at home, uh, Jake Fisher was on the mound for Long Island. Um, series was tied at one at the, at the time, and there was a, a record-setting crowd at home, 8,131 fans that night. Um, but Jake Fisher shoved, um, had a great game, and wound up uh, basically shutting the, the, the Patriots down. Uh, do, do you have any memories of the overall environment, the atmosphere that night, and and sort of the vibe from the guys in the clubhouse um, after after that night ended and falling behind in the series? Well, you know, obviously not the not a good memory in terms of the uh, the, the result, um, but yeah, it was a trick atmosphere. Um, I actually had played against uh, Jake uh, Fisher uh, for years past in the Frontier League. Um, so I remember going into the game and, um, you know, those games, it's so, so much, you know, the magnifying glass is really on, on everything from the scouting report. And I remember talking with John and him asking me any little thing you remember about him, you know, down to what is his miles per hour, how many pitches that he, does he have? And so, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was an electric atmosphere to be home and, you know, defend your own turf. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do that, but, um, definitely, uh, you felt like, you know, we, there, there was something there, you know, we had some fight, um, obviously 
when you're facing a tough pitcher sometimes that it, it doesn't all that sometimes that fight can kind of work against you because you try so hard and it and you know works against you but you know, I always remember uh, all those Somerset uh, crowds, but definitely the playoff crowds, you know, a, a different animal. So so I, I want to get to a good memory then. And just to just to take make a note, um, in that postseason 2017, uh, you played very well, went 7 for 17 from the plate. That's a 412 batting average um, with three runs scored also. So a strong, um, I guess, personal off, uh, postseason for you. Uh, but, but 2018 – uh, that was a tremendous statistical season for you. Um, ultimately, you were named the team MVP. You hit 303 that that year, career high five home runs, 55 RBIs, 17 stolen bases, 395 on base percentage. Um, you led the team in games at bats, hits, runs, and RBIs. Uh, you finished second on batting and on base percentage. As well, you led the Atlantic League among all shortstops in batting on base percentage, games, runs, doubles, hits. You led the Atlantic League defensively among shortstops and in innings, put outs, assists, and double plays. I could go on. I have all this stuff written down. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I want to see you were selected to the All-Star game that year also. So mm-hmm. I, I guess before we get into that specific night, did, did it feel like it was a different season for you? Did, I mean, I know you, you mentioned before, like, Sometimes it just feels like the ball falls for some people, but what was, what was working so well for you that year? Um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think it was a combination of, of everything, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Uh, I think being familiar with Somerset, uh, knowing, you know, the coaches, being familiar with the guys on the team, um, there was just a, uh, uh, more of a comfort that you, you knew there, there weren't, there weren't that many unknowns, um, in terms of how things day to day operation, you know, what you do, you were, you had, a, I had a very good routine and, um, and I just kept the same approach all year, um, in terms of mechanically, mentally, and it was, everything kind of just came in and, you know, uh, and worked. So won't even, can't, can't, you know, put pinpoint the exact thing, but I think it's just a combination of uh, being in a good place mentally and physically. And, uh, yeah, so that usually, I think when you're confident and when you have a lot of confidence that, you know, the sky's the limit. So, um, and luckily, and, and be lucky. So I was really lucky. Well, and then you get to the all-star game, you're voted in as one of five Patriots in that all-star game. Um, Julio Barbone was in there, Mike Francoso, Corey Reardon and Dwayne Bilo. The game was played on Long Island at Beth Page Ballpark, and you had a huge game. Three for three. You reach base four times. You have two RBI, including the game-tying RBI single in the bottom of the fifth and then the game-winning walk-off RBI single in the ninth. Can, can you walk me through what that entire day uh, was like for you from you know being with teammates and representing Somerset in a rival ballpark to, to you know having such – a great amount of success in being named the games MVP later that night. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, first of all, it was an honor just to, to be an all-star and, uh, you know, anytime you get that, um, it's, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's icing on the cake, obviously as a, as a baseball player and, um, grew up watching obviously major league baseball and, um, and just seeing, I was, you know, midsummer classic. Um, it was, it was our own mid midsummer classic. So I was just really, um excited to be a part of it so um i kind of just took it all in and um you kind of had a free mentality going into it that 
you know, hey, you don't need to – this is a showcase, you know, not a showcase, but you're just trying to put on a good show for the fans, and if you win, great. Um, if you don't, great. Um, and so I just try to have as much fun as, as possible, and um, and luckily uh, the ball fell, and, uh, and and that was in the right place at the right time. But I did – it was weird because you could feel in, like in, in that game – everything was falling and uh you know even just to have that last at bat um i kind of knew uh that some something good was going to happen so uh, yeah it was it was awesome and uh i know it, it was it was even cool it was cooler to do it um in front of long island just because i guess you know i'd like to think of the patriots as as the yankees of of the uh of the atlantic league and the long island ducks as, as maybe the red sox or the mets and you know they're your rivals, and you know I always loved playing and against Long Island. So I felt like it was we were playing against Long Island, even though they're on my team. But uh, they were on my team that day, uh, so it, it was cool. All those things combined, and and being lucky, uh, it, it was a blast. Well, I remember a lot of us Somerset people, our front office. We were in like the picnic area, and we remember oh, yeah. cheering on all the Patriots, all you guys, while you were on the field, and, and going nuts when when you wound up being the one to win it. Um, all of our fans that are listening to this know about the rivalry between Somerset and Long Island. Um, yeah. but, but what some people might not remember from that game also, Julio Borbone started off the scoring with a with a solo home run in the first inning. Um, yeah. Soso went two for four with a run scored in RBI. Both Reardon and Bilo tossed scoreless innings. And in fact, all four of the runs batted in for the Liberty Division that night were by Somerset Patriot players. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did you guys, because you just kind of mentioned it a little bit, but did you guys sort of go in there knowing that it was in a rival ballpark and sort of be like, look, let's let's put on a show and let's show Long Island what Somerset's really all about? Yeah, it was all part of the plan. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was, yeah, I mean, I think as the game, you know, we saw Julio uh, hit the home run, and I think that just, he's showing out today, and why can't we? Um, so, yeah, it was it was that that made it that much more uh, sweet to share that with with your teammates that you play with every single day. So yeah, I was and then you know and being in the field for for Belo and and uh, and Corey, it was it was awesome. So well, uh, we're gonna go now from from good memories back to a little bit of bad memories, Alfredo. And I apologize ahead of time for this, um, <laughs> but I, I I have to talk to you about the 2018 postseason, and I got a couple of questions, and I, I want to sort of walk through what the context was for that postseason because that, I mean that's the most recent postseason in Patriots fans memories um, yeah. but just for context uh, it was another really strong postseason for you personally you went seven for 16 um, 438 batting average you drew five walks also you had a 591 on base percentage so another really really strong postseason that you had um, but the team falls behind uh, the first two games of that series two games to none both games were on Long Island, and, and the Ducks, I mean, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, sort of dominated those games. Um, they outscored the Patriots 20-3 to in those two games. But you know you're coming back home. Um, you know that there's going to be big crowds in Somerset, bigger than the ones on Long Island. We have a history of that. Um, so what, were, what was the clubhouse like at the time, if you can remember, falling behind 2-0 and knowing that you had to come back home and win three straight games? When we came back home, it was, uh, I think the first game, uh, definitely some, some nerves and, um, you know, we, I think, 
uh, Brett knew that, hey, we were, we, we were putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. And, um, so we knew, hey, uh, this is it. You know, you, you got to come out there and your back's against the wall. So, you know, I, th- I think at the beginning, you know, coming in that day, things were a little on edge and, um, but, you know, we, we, we kind of had a, you know, um, you know, come to Jesus moment, uh, and, and we just were like, Hey, you know, let, 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 let's, let's lay it all out there. Let's have some fun. Let's loosen up. You know, this isn't us, you know, playing the game, um, tight and being afraid to fail, you know, play to win. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that first, and I, at that first game was definitely, uh, you know, very intense, like every game was, but, um, it, you know, it was our, our, our chance to, to, to stand up and, and, and hold our ground and live to fight another day, which we did. The announced attendance for that first game back, that game three, I mentioned in 2017, the Patriots set an Atlantic League record uh, with an 8,131 um, attendance for game three. 2018, the year that we're talking about now, uh, mm-hmm. topped that number by, what is it, 12 fans, 8,000. 143 fans in attendance for that game three. And I, I remember that game so vividly, Alfredo. And I, the, the Ducks went ahead to, uh, they were leading two nothing going into the bottom of the fifth. Um, you guys get a run back in, in the bottom of the fifth to make it two one. The Ducks get a run back in the top of the sixth. So Long Island's leading three one and they're up in the series two games to none. And then, um, you guys put up four runs in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, and I remember just an electric atmosphere. Um, Francoso RBI double, Jovan RBI single to tie it. Andy had an RBI uh, run scoring fielder's choice. Jace Boyd had an RBI single. Um, and then in the the Ducks get a run back in the top of the seventh. And then you were a part of this play. Bottom of the seventh, bases are loaded. Andy Chavez comes to the plate, and um, he he lines a, a bases clearing three run double right center field. You were at first base at the time, and and I'm sure you've seen this. I've used this video so many <laughs> times <laughs> of you clapping and screaming and jumping yeah. up and down. Can, can you talk yeah. me through what the emotions were like for you in that exact moment? Oh man, I feel like I was floating. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, as soon as he hit it in the gap, I I knew I was going to score. Um, then, then as soon as you score, I just, I feel like I was floating. Uh, and I was so, it was like an out of body experience, um, you know, celebrating with all, all those guys and, you know, almost like so much, so much emotion, um, you know, raw emotion. I mean, you know, tears, you know, out of excitement just because it was, it was like, wow, let's go. Like this is, uh, this is what it's all about. Um, that was definitely in that moment, um, how I felt. And I know those guys felt the same way and Brett and John and everyone. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to describe, but I feel like I was floating. Uh, <laughs> and, and it was just a lot of emotions and it was the reason why it, it was, it was a, a very emotional moment. It's the reason why you play the game of baseball. Did it contribute at all that it came in front of an absolutely packed house <sighs> as well? That, that, that's it. That was, I mean, with them um, and just how loud they were and the energy that they brought, uh, it we fed off their energy um, and and we're lucky, you know, we'll be able we're able to give it back to them in, in a way in that moment. So that was, you know, that that was a a real, um, you know, amazing amazing moment. 
Uh, so you guys win that game, uh, final score, eight to four. You live to see another day, like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. you come back for game four, uh, Rick Teasley's on the mound. And mm-hmm. a lot of our fans know the kind of person Rick is. You, of course, know Rick very well. Uh, such a fiery competitor when he's on the mound. Um, I, what was, what were you guys like? And I guess what was Rick like, if you, if you could remember just in the anticipation of, coming back onto the mound for another winner go home situation. Yeah, I mean in in my eyes, uh as soon as I knew Rick was pitching, I knew we had that game. Uh for, from the get-go. Uh cuz Rick Rick is a, a ultimate competitor, um, uh, you know, great guy and it was I just know the guy's got the utmost confidence in in his ability and his teammates and trust trust his plan. Um and I knew if there's anyone that isn't going to you know, let the moment be too big for them. It was, it was Rick. And so I knew as soon as we had Rick to pitch, I was like, Oh, it's done. I, you can chalk that one up. And obviously, you know, we're going to play the game, but I was, had the utmost confidence that, um, he was going to go out there and give us, give us a fighting chance. And he did. So it was, it was, I always enjoy playing behind him. And, uh, because he kind of gives, gives me that confidence that, um, there's no one you can't strike out. There's, you know, there's no, there's no one who who can hit me, and as an offensive player, there's no one who who who, who can get you out. So uh, I fed off of his confidence, and I think everyone else on our team did. It it was those games were were almost too much fun. It was it was such a pleasure uh, yeah. to watch those. Um, but we do have to talk about Game Five, and I'll keep this part a little bit more brief. Um, sure. But Game Five, uh, Bobby Blevins was actually on the mound um, for you guys that day. Blevins said. Uh, made a brief start back in, I want to say like June or July, and then was pitching in the Can-Am League with the Quebec Capitals, pitched in their championship series. And then because of injuries, Somerset needed a game five starter. Blevins comes back and basically on a spot start, goes six innings, allows just two runs. Um, Andy had a two-run single in the third inning. David Washington tied it up with an RBI single in the fifth. So the game was tied at two. And then um, the game ended the way a lot of Patriots fans will remember. Opportunity to win it after Ramon Flores leadoff double in the bottom of the ninth. Um, failed to score at that point. And then three consecutive two-out singles from the Ducks in the top of the tenth off of Logan Kensing. Um, gave yeah. them the lead. You were actually hit by a pitch in the bottom of the tenth inning. So you were at first base as the tying run. And, and, and ultimately, um, you know, the Patriots did not win that game. And I remember, and I wanted you to speak a little bit more to this. I remember being absolutely devastated. I remember walking into the clubhouse, and there was a total feel of devastation. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about what the vibe was like from your perspective after that game? I mean, it's 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 got it's gut wrenching, you know. Anytime you you lose and uh, the season's over, uh, that that it's never uh, it's never a good thing. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was not easy. Uh, not easy to deal with and um it, just the way it happened and uh you know Logan has been uh, you know dominant all year and you know and of course it happens like that and you know you could have put him out there 99 times I don't think it would have happened like that uh but uh yeah I mean it's there's really no way to to go about it I think there's two trains of thought I think you can either um you want to pack up your stuff and go um, as quickly as possible, or 
you sit there and, and you, you kind of just soak it all in and whether it's good or bad, um, you know, some people do that. So at least from my perspective, it was, um, I was in disbelief, uh, but someone's got to win, someone's got to lose. So, um, it was us and, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's never easy. And, you know, like you said, you were talking about the previous moments and how memorable that was. It was obviously memorable to play in those games and the intensity of those games. So, you grow closer with the, the the people that you're you're working with and playing with. So, just a, a culmination of that coming to a halt um, it was tough. And you know, it's uh, I, I guess you know it, it's never the part you look forward to. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't easy. But I I always I appreciated that team and everyone was on that team because that that's the way it works. You know, people yeah. the season's done and people go their separate directions and you may never see them again. You may not, you know, you know, that's just the way professional baseball works. That was a fun team works. though. That was a it fun was. team. It was. And you, you have memories that, uh, that's what you miss the most. The, you know, pre-game antics, the post-game antics, you know, watching you take batting practice and like, that's the stuff you miss, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no? uh, we no. all miss it. We all miss it terribly. Yeah. Um, on Monday, the week of this taping, uh, you were named to the Somerset Patriots All-Decade Team uh, for seasons between 2010 and 2019. So when you look back at your three seasons in Somerset and and you see that the fans vote you in as, you know, remembering your time and with such positive memories, I, I guess what do you take away from, from your time in Somerset and that the fans are still so supportive of all of your efforts that you put in here? Um, you know, it means the world to me. Um, I think, uh, I always, uh, played this game, uh, with everything that I had. And I always played as if, uh, you know, there's, there's someone coming to see it for the first time. Um, I know it's cliche. You probably heard it from many guys, but I think that's, uh, there's always someone that has never seen you before. And, um, and I always, uh, I approached every game in Somerset, um, as if it was my last and, and I never took a day, uh, for granted and I never took the fans. Uh, I never took the organization for granted, you know, uh, you and Brett, uh, John, Glenn, uh, Phil, ev- everyone, uh, and, 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 and as well as my teammates, uh, it was just, it was great to be a part of a, uh, you know, an organization that values their players and values, um, and I think everyone got better that I saw when I was there, you know, and, and it was, uh, just, Allowing everyone to be, uh, their best, um, their best self. Um, they, they, they gave me the confidence to do that and, and, and I'm very appreciative of it. You know, I've gotten so many questions this offseason about what's Alfredo up to? What's he doing? Is Alfredo coming back? We'd love to see him back. So I, I want to give you an opportunity to sort of discuss what your, um, well, I guess what your career is looking like these days and, and what sort of went into your, your decision making at this current time. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, things, I was thinking about a lot of things, uh, this season and, um, you know, so I, I didn't want to close any doors on anything and I was just thinking about everything and, and, uh, yeah, obviously I, you know, if I'm going to play anywhere, it would be Somerset. Um, so I, I, I just was waiting and, and, and figuring out what exactly I wanted to do, whether it was, uh, you know, move on from baseball to a, another realm, um, but, and then, and then, uh, this coronavirus happened. So I, um, everything's kind of up in the air for me right now. I'm, I'm just trying to stay busy. Um, 
trying to maintain a positive attitude, still in good shape, um, and, and, and still in touch with a lot of guys in Somerset. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, not, not, not going to say one way or the other, but, um, th- that, that's, uh, that's what I'm doing. Well, I, I hope and I wish all the best for you, Alfredo. Um, I'm, I'm so appreciative of the time that you took today. I hope I didn't bring back too many bad memories. I, I hope that the good ones <laughs> outweigh the bad, but, uh, you know, from all of us here in Somerset, I hope you're well. I hope your family, your friends are well. And, and we can't wait until we can uh, see you again back at the ballpark. Thank you very much. And um, thanks, thanks everyone, um, you know, for supporting me. And um, go, go Somerset Patriots, you know, it's, it's family for life. So um, thanks for having me and, and, and hope everyone stays safe out there. And, um, you know, hopefully ba- baseball comes back real soon. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance. It's NJM. The presenting sponsor of the Something Patriots podcast is RWJ Barnabas Health. You've been putting off going to the hospital. We get it. Be assured that safety, yours and ours, comes first and is embedded in everything we do. We're taking the appropriate precautions and using best practices to continue to ensure the highest quality care, protection, support and comfort for all. With that in mind, as the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic in New Jersey has passed, RWJ Barnabas Health has begun to initiate a resumption of services. Keeping with the governor's executive order and adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. Get more details about our reopening at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. Let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with 8 locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And we're back on the Something Patriots podcast. Uh, A big thank you to Alfredo Rodriguez for taking the time to catch up on his three seasons in Somerset. Uh, A couple of things uh, before we go. On last week's episode... Um, I mentioned that the Patriots were planning on hosting a couple of drive-in movie nights at TD Bank Ballpark. And, uh, well, since that announcement, there has been an unprecedented amount of traffic um, towards the team and its website for these events. Um, So a little backstory here. The Patriots announced last Friday, May 29th, actually the date that our last podcast was released, that they will host two drive-in movie dates at TD Bank Ballpark um, to occur both on Friday, June 12th, and Saturday, June 13th. Uh, Each night will feature a showing of the timeless summer baseball classic, The Sandlot, uh, one of my favorite movies, 
And the proceeds from these shows will benefit the RWJ Barnabas Health Emergency Relief Fund. Um, well, it turns out there was so much interest in these events that the tickets for each night actually sold out in less than two minutes. They went on sale on Tuesday, June 2nd at 10 a.m., and they were sold out by about 10.02 a.m. Good news, though, uh, for those that might not have gotten tickets for this event. Um, with how successful it was, at least initially in pushing it out, um, there's already been a number of discussions within the Somerset Patriots front office um, on hosting additional movie nights throughout the summer, um, with the next couple actually potentially occurring in the not-too-distant future. Um, but more information on that really to follow uh, at a later time. Uh, also, on that note, keep your eyes peeled on our social media pages for information on a potential community fireworks night uh, that we could be hosting at TD Bank Ballpark as well. Lastly, I, I did want to touch briefly upon the Somerset Patriots practice that took place at TD Bank Ballpark on Thursday. Uh, we'll get more into the specifics of how this practice came together and operated um, on next week's episode, actually. But uh, I'll just say that for now, it was great to see some of the returning guys like Scott Kelly, Justin Pacioli, James Puglise, um, as well as some of the new guys uh, on the roster as well at the ballpark. The team's feelings are that this practice and potentially others to come uh, will offer our fans a bit of hope that baseball, yes, will eventually return to Somerset and that there is a chance that that could happen somewhat soon. So on that note, um, just to finish up, if you can, uh, please take a second and subscribe to this show on whichever platform you use for your podcasts. Uh, if you could give us a rating and leave us a review, every little bit um, would help us reach more fans and, and keep the podcast going. So all of that uh, would very much be appreciated. Um, all right. Well, that's, uh, that's it for this week's episode. Uh, we'll be back with another new episode next Friday. We'll see you guys then. Thank you for listening to the Something Patriots podcast. The Somerset Patriots would like to thank the presenting sponsor of the podcast, RWJ Barnabas Health. They would also like to thank the supporting sponsors, TD Bank and Flemington Car and Truck Country, with proud sponsorship from T-Mobile, NJM Insurance, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, and NJIT. Other thanks go to Flemington Department Store, AARP New Jersey, Sanofi, and Financial Resources Federal Credit Union, all valued partners of the Somerset Patriots. The Something Patriots podcast airs live on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and on WCTCAM.com every Friday night from 6 to 7 p.m. But the archived version is also available for download on SomersetPatriots.com and on participating podcast platforms. The show is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.